is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his host hath he cast into the sea. His chosen captains also were drowned in the Red Sea. The depths have covered them. They sank into the bottom as a stone. Thy right hand, O Lord, has become glorious in power. Thy right hand, O Lord, hath dashed in pieces the enemy. In the greatness of thy excellency, thou hast overthrown them that rose up against thee. Thou sentest forth thy wrath, which consumed them as stubble. And with the blast of thy nostrils, the waters were gathered together. There's that scripture I was telling you all about the other night where God blew his nose and part of the Red Sea. Huh? There it is. Look at somebody say, there it is. Hallelujah. Together the flood stood upright as an heap, and the depths were congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil, my lust shall be satisfied upon them. I will draw my sword, my hand shall destroy them. And thou dost blow with thy wind, the sea covered them, that sank as lead in the mighty waters. Who is like unto thee, O Lord among the gods? Who is like thee? Then begins to very briefly describe God. He says, God, you're glorious in holiness. You're fearful in praises, but you will notice that there is a pause here. And Moses kind of asks the question more than makes a statement. When he says God was glorious in holiness, that was a statement. When he said he's fearful in praises, that was a statement. But if you read it, he then questions. And he, he says, doing wonders? You know how you can kind of say something that should be a statement you can put a little bit of juice on it and make it a question doing wonders that's that's kind of the how I see Moses now again I know my little Sunday school brain don't, don't put it out there as deep as you like it but that's how it is glorious and holiness fearful and praises doing wonders I want to pray, preach to us tonight and you're helping to help the Lord about wonders in the wilderness wonders look at somebody and tell them wonders in the wilderness. Would you pray with me right now? Would you lift your hands all over this house? God, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. Give you glory. We're so grateful tonight to be in your presence. We're asking you, God, right now to have your way in this house from the front to the back and side to side. Let the anointing of the Holy Ghost change us and challenge us. Make us more like you tonight. In the name of Jesus, we pray, God, I ask you, Lord, right now, fill somebody with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Give somebody the strength to press on another day. Give somebody the strength, God, to go another mile. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said amen. Would you clap your hands unto the Lord one more time? <laughs> hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, we love you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. Come on, don't just clap your hands, but lift your voice. Lift your voice. God, you're so good to your people. Woo! Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated in the fear of the Lord. We understand the context of this scripture is that Israel has just been delivered from the hand of Pharaoh. And now Moses is singing a song, dancing, rejoicing. Who wouldn't rejoice on a day like today? Who wouldn't get happy about coming out of 400 years of bondage? Who wouldn't shout on the side of an ocean after you just watched God completely consume your enemy? I'm going to tell you, it's still in order to shout and dance when God's done something for you. It's still in order to come to church on Tuesday night 
and jump around a little bit and just act like you've lost your mind because God's been good to you. It's, it's still in order to give God praise when God brought you out of something. And don't, God, don't ever let us get to the place to where we forget where you brought us from. But every time I come to church, I want to praise you for where you brought me from. I want to praise you because you've been good. I want to praise you because you've been better to me than I've been to myself. I'm going to praise you because you're God and you're sitting on the throne. And I know if I praise you because you delivered me yesterday, you can deliver me tomorrow. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I, I'm going to tell you, this ain't where I'm going, but this is just where I'm going to sit for a second. I worry about people that don't get excited about where God brought them from. I, I'm going to tell you, I worry about people that can't come to church and say, well, I'm not the emotional type. Well, everybody's going to have to do it in some form or fashion. I'm not asking you to do it like me, and you don't have to get out and do it like some of the others that are up front. But bless God, you ought to do something. Well, help me, Jesus. I feel like preaching on this a minute. Yeah, I, I know. You, everybody ain't going to act the same way, but you ought to do something. There ought to be something in you that says, I got to lift my hands. I got to lift my voice. I got to clap. I got to give God praise. If all you do is step out in the aisle and hold on to the pew and pick one foot up and then pick the other up and put them down, I'm going to tell you, you need to do something because God has been good to you. <laughs> Hallelujah. God's delivering power demands a response. Hallelujah. But there is a transition that God is trying to bring them to. And unfortunately, at this time, their minds are not yet ready to encase. And I, I will reiterate what my dear brother read just a few moments ago. That's why the apostle would write, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Because this mind that's in him is a mind of progress. Because there's this thing about God that he's always the same, yet he's always moving. He never changes, but he's always in different forms. And the next thing you know, it's kind of like sitting in the cave, like Elijah in the cave. And you try to find God, and God is the earthquake. But when you finally figure him out as an earthquake, he becomes a world. Win. And when you finally figure God out as a whirlwind, he becomes a fire. And when you finally figure him out as a fire, he becomes a cloud. He's always changing, but he's always the same. That's the part about God that just absolutely blows my mind. And because God is always moving forward, it's the will of God that his people are always moving forward. And, and so God tries to transition them into a place where, where the milk and the honey flow. It's the land of more than enough. But however, their, their minds are not yet ready. They, they're still dealing with the slavery complex of Egypt. And they said, we be as grasshoppers in our own sight. I know you can't understand everything that God is doing because neither can I and neither can anybody. Neither is it entered into the heart of man. You, you, you know the text. But, but I'm here to tell you that you've got to get the revelation that in order to be a part of God's kingdom, you've got to learn how to move when God moves. And sometimes that means going places that, that are uncomfortable. You, can I just preach to somebody right here and tell you, you need to get on board with what God is doing lest you get left behind uh, and you spend the rest of your life sitting by the Red Sea. I don't want to be somebody uh, that murmurs and complains about what God is trying to do. Now, I understand what the Bible says. The Bible tells us. It, it tells us that they, they get held back because of their unbelief in the New Testament. But you know what happens in, in Numbers chapter 14 when it tells the story of why they don't get to go into the promised land? Numbers chapter 14 and verse 2, the Bible says, And they murmured against Moses and Aaron. Look at somebody and tell them, that's deep, ain't it? Now, there's this thing about it that, that it's, it's transitional. They murmur against Moses and Aaron. 
But Brother Brock, I think it's in verse 19 that God says, I've heard this, this evil congregation and they murmured against me. Now that ain't what the Bible said they was talking about. Bible says they were talking get Moses and Aaron. But when God starts speaking, he says, boys, that wasn't Moses and Aaron you was talking about. That was me you were talking about. Ooh, I'm preaching good now. You may think you're just talking about the preacher. And you may think you're just, well, Brother Bradford really don't know what he's doing. He, he, he's trying to lead us into a place. So we, we're comfortable in the place that we're in. You're comfortable sitting on the side of an ocean uh, with nowhere to go and nothing to do. I'm telling you, as for me and my house, we're going with the man of God. I don't want to be left behind in the wilderness. I don't want to be left behind because I've murmured and I've complained. That's again, that's where they started talking. Would to God, we'd have died in Egypt. I don't want to die in Egypt. I don't want to die in the wilderness. Let God let there be something inside of me that links up with the man of God that says, if you go, then I'm going. And if you believe, then I'm believing. And if you shout, I'll shout. And Because I refuse to die in where I, the place that I'm in. This, this part of the scripture, I've I probably preached more from, from this text than, than any other, but it's because it's, it's there's so many angles on this. But uh, something I had noticed in this is it's, it's the redneck side of God comes out. Because when you start reading it, he says, your carcass is going to die in the wilderness. That sounds like a redneck wrote that. <laughs> Your 11-day journey is going to turn into a 40-year road trip because you couldn't keep your mouth shut. Woo-wee. Look at somebody and tell them, this is revival. <laughs> 11 days. And they start going around. And I know what you think because I thought the same thing, but you go and you study it and you'll figure it out really quick. It's not like they were just wandering from here to there. They were going in circles around the same base of the same mountain for 40, what should have took them 11 days, took them 40 years, no place to call home, wandering around, following the cloud. And so here's the dilemma. How do you get 19-year-olds to keep the faith? Because he said everybody that's 20 years old and upwards is going to die. How do you keep 19-year-olds to keep the faith when they're being punished for something that they weren't a part of the problem in? How do you get good people to come to church and live for God when bad things happen to good people? How do you get people to follow the cloud when they got a word from God that they're going to have to spend 40 years walking around in circles for something that they did not even do? I believe that the answer is given in our text tonight. As Moses begins to sing, you notice I, I pointed it out. He says it with a question mark. He doesn't quite understand because that's the way prophecy works. If a prophet is a real prophet, he'll prophesy some things that he don't even have the full grasp of. And I don't have time to go down that rabbit trail tonight, but I will tell you that Moses is prophesying in the form of poetry, and he says he's fearful in praises. He's glorious in holiness. And he asks the question, he says, and he's doing wonders. And it's like as if Moses, he's stepping onto the, onto the land, which would be Become their wilderness. He's stepping into the place where they will spend 40 years walking around in circles, and the spirit of prophecy is upon him. And he begins to prophesy how 19 year olds are going to keep the faith when they're being punished for something that they didn't do. It's Moses is aligning himself with God, and he says, The way we're going to make it out of this wilderness is if somebody gets the revelation that I've got to spend more time worried about the wonders that he's doing than the wandering 
that I'm doing. I've got to spend more time caught up in the glory of God than the fact that I'm walking around in circles and I'm not making any headway. I've come to tell somebody tonight, you've got to get your eyes off of the wilderness and get your eyes on the wonders. Get your eyes back on the miracle. Get your eyes back on the signs. Get your eyes back on what God's doing. Hallelujah. They start marching toward the land. They're following, the, they're, they're following this cloud. And they come to the bitter waters of Mara. They, they're, they're thirsty. It's three days and they haven't had anything fresh to drink, Bishop. And, and they begin to complain. Yet yeah, it, It's this reoccurring thing that keeps coming up in their spirit. Would to God, would to God, would to God. You see it time and time again throughout their grumbling and their complaining and their murmuring. Would to God we died in Egypt. And this is where God begins to put a plan into action. But I, and, and again, this is just the way my little Sunday school brain thinks about it. But I, I can see all these elders that walk up. And I'm not by no means throwing shade at any elders. So understand that I, I, this is a personal thing, not a not a group thing here as it applies to us but I, I can see the elders that are upset with Moses the leaders of their families they're mad because they're thirsty and they get to the bitter waters of Mara and they start throwing their hand you kidding me you had us walking for three days and the first water you can find we can't even drink it because it's bitter and I can see some little old boy about 15, 16 year old looking at his daddy and said daddy don't say that don't you remember what God did yesterday? Don't you remember how three days ago we were, we were fixing to get swept up by Pharaoh? I, and I know it's bad and I know you're thirsty, but look back at the last miracle that God did. Didn't that blow your mind? Wasn't, wasn't it incredible how God killed Pharaoh out in the middle of the Red Sea? Daddy, if God did it back then, he can do it again. Come on, I've come to preach to somebody tonight uh, that bad things have been happening uh, and you're a good person uh, and you're saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. Uh, you're anointed, you're a prayer warrior, uh, but you're frustrated uh, because bad things keep happening. Uh, I've come to tell you tonight, uh, you can't focus on the bitter waters uh, of Mara. You gotta look back over your shoulder and remember the last time we dealt with water, God made a way. The last time we got into a fix, uh, God made a way. And if he did it before, he he will do it again. This is one of those things that can hinder revival if people start murmuring because bad things keep on happening in the middle of revival. Can, can I preach to somebody that's been in this revival for the last three, four weeks, however long we've been in revival and everybody else has got a word but you. Everybody else has got a miracle but you. Everybody else has had somebody pull them out in the aisle and, and lay hands on them. But you, and you're frustrated because you feel like God's not speaking to you. I'm going to speak to you right now under the unction of the Holy Ghost and tell you God is moving. God is working. You just got your focus on the wrong things. Don't focus on the wilderness. Focus on the God that's keeping you while you're in the wilderness. Don't focus on the fact that you're walking around in circles. Focus on the fact that God is still in in front of you and he's leading you everywhere you go. Finally get a little water and now we're hungry and God still ain't done that. Because this, but, but you read it, this thing happened, it's more than just murmuring. They murmured against Moses and Aaron and God said, you murmured against me. Well, guess what? When they got hungry, they didn't pray to God. Read, read the Bible. It said they went to Moses and Aaron and said, give us food. Guess what happens? 
when God speaks to Moses, he says, I've heard the prayers. Their cry has come up before me. They were walking around griping to the preacher. And God said, no, but I heard it. And, and, and Moses can't, listen, Moses is awesome. Moses can go up on top of the mountain and he can see God and he can see the glory of God and all this stuff and come back down and it's going to be shining on his face. But there's just, some, there's just some tricks he can't do. He can't make food appear out of nowhere. So Moses didn't fix this for you. I'm going to fix this for you. Can I tell you that there comes time and, and, and believe me, Pastor would agree with me if he was here tonight. I, I know because we've had these conversations in the brief moments that we've got to spend together. There comes a time that as ministry, we do all we can, and, and there's still it's still not enough. There comes a time in ministry where you're going to find yourself, and, and you're still short, and you still don't have the answer, and you've prayed till you don't know how to pray anymore, and you fasted until you don't know what to fast about anymore, and the answer still isn't there. That's where God steps up and says, I am sending bread down out of heaven. I, I want you to focus on the miracle now and every day they would get up it was another miracle every day they would turn around it was another miracle and there was some people that have they, they had the audacity to complain but I've come to tell somebody tonight the reason that you're here is because you got a miracle the reason you're in your right mind is because you got a miracle don't focus on the wilderness Manna again. Let me preach it like this. Doctrine again. Manna again. Prayer meeting again. Don't you ever forget that's angels' food you're eating. Don't, don't you ever forget that stuff's coming straight from the throne room of God. And that stuff that you're taking that's just, that it, it's so nonchalant. And well, it, it, it's just, it's another Sunday service. It's another Tuesday night service. It's another Monday night prayer meeting. It's more than Monday night prayer meeting. It's more than Tuesday night midweek. It's, it's manna from heaven. It's angels' food. It's the stuff that they even peer trying to look in, understanding we're in the New Testament. They're, they're peering into it and they can't even understand all of what you have. Can I tell you tonight that the the angels are wanting to trade places with you because they don't know what it's like to understand the glory of God in its rawest form. And you're focused on what's wrong. And there's an angel saying, buddy, if I could trade places, I'd come down to where you are and I would experience what you experience. I would feel what you feel. I would know what it's like to understand redemption. God's been good to you. We were really the people of God. You just, again, this, I know I sound like a broken record, but when you start reading the Bible like you were actually there, it changes stuff. Can you imagine the conversations that you would have after about the third year of walking around the same mountain? I know there had to be some little mischievous boy like I was when I was a kid. That, about that third year, he finally said, you know what, I'm, I'm about to find out if we go in circles or not. And he flipped the rock over and wrote his name on the back of it. Come back around next year, mm -hmm, Mama, I told you, Moses don't know where we're going. If we're really the people of God, why are we walking in circles? Because God's trying to teach you a lesson. But what's the lesson, Moses? When you don't know what to do, follow the miracles. Because every day they got up. And another miracle was added to the kingdom. 
And every day they got up, God was providing miraculously out of the dew from heaven. God was making a way out of it. When you don't know what to do, find a miracle happening somewhere in the church and get as close to it as you can get to it. And when you don't know what to do, but you're standing close to a miracle, I can't help but tell you that you're next in line for that same miracle. What's God doing? God, I'll tell you what God's doing. Now. God's separating the ones that are wondering uh, and the ones that are in wonderment. Uh, God's separating the ones that are just in it for the fish and the loaves uh, and the ones that want to go with him all of way. God, I want you to know tonight if you take me in circles, I'll follow you in circles. As long as I'm following you, I'm focused on the wonders. I'm We've had people getting baptized. Well, everything's going wrong. Yeah, but we got people getting baptized and we got people getting the Holy Ghost. That's a miracle. I'm more worried about that than I am about what's going wrong in my world. God's playing some kind of cruel game. I can see him following this cloud. The Bible says that the cloud of God led them. And you, you can go fact check me. It's all there. They're following this cloud, Bishop, round and round in circles. I don't know about you, but I don't like not being able to see where I'm going. Am I by myself tonight? I hate driving behind 18 wheelers. Drives me bananas. Hate it. Of course, to be honest with you, I hate driving behind anybody. <laughs> but, but there's something special to me. I, I like, it, it just gets under my skin when I can't see where I'm going. And for 40 years, God's people couldn't see where they were going. All they know is in the morning when they got up, if the cloud was moving, start packing your bags because it's time for us to move. And if you study it, you'll find out really quickly. They didn't really move that far. As a matter of fact, the ones that were on the southern side of, uh, of the camp, the Bible says that they were the second to move. That's in Numbers chapter uh, 10. They, that they were the second to move at the sound of an alarm. And when they began to move, they most of the time did not get past in a day's time where the people on the eastern side of the tabernacle were that night before. So they literally just traded camps with their brethren. They, they've only moved about... 250 to 300 yards. My God, they weren't moving real far. Well, when you got three to six million people, they got to pack up all their, <laughs> they got to pack the coffee pot and God knows somebody's going to forget their toothbrush. Got to roll the tent up and by the time you get three to six million people doing that and you get them to move 150 yards, it's dark. It's time to make camp again. So they're not moving real far. They're not making much headway. And all they got to lead them is this cloud. I'm tired of this cloud. Could you hear that? Or am I by myself? If you were there, wouldn't it be frustrating to not be able to see where you're going for 40 years? I'm sick of this. But honey, don't you ever forget that that cloud is the glory of God. And you can get frustrated with the glory of God 
if you're not careful because sometimes the glory will blind you from being able to see where you're going next because the glory of God will teach you how to walk in faith and walk, oh help me Jesus, and walk in trust and sometimes the glory of God will put you in places where you're uncomfortable and sometimes the glory of God will give you reasons to be bitter. Sometimes the glory of God will have you so mad at everybody around you and mad at God himself. Sometimes the glory of God will have you in a place where you're questioning even the existence of God because if it was really his glory, he wouldn't let me be going through this. But I've come to tell you, you got to keep reaching into the cloud because eventually you'll come out with a miracle. You might come out with bitterness once or twice. You might come out with frustration once or twice. But you've got to learn how to discard those things and keep on following the cloud because if I don't follow the cloud, I'm going to get left behind and I'm never going to taste the honey and I'm never going to taste the milk of the land that is to come. I'm never going to experience the promises of God if I can't learn how to follow the glory of God when it's uncomfortable to me. Because the miracles, signs, and wonders, you read your Bible, it's a, it's a common theme. They always happen at the most unopportune times and in the most unopportune places. Everybody wants a miracle. Nobody wants to go through something to have to need a miracle. We're the people of God. Well, let me just tell you, that comes with a contract. Comes with contingency. You gonna be my people? Well, you're gonna follow me even when I take you through the wilderness. You wanna be my people? You're gonna have to follow me when you can't taste water for three days. You want to be my people, you got to learn how to be satisfied with just bread and quail in the evening time. You want to be my people, then you better get you better get used to not being able to see where you're going because in order to live for God, you understand when he comes back, he's looking for faith in the earth and we walk by and not by sight. The glory of God is blinding me because God doesn't want me to see where I'm going. He's trying my spirit to find out, can I walk by faith? Where's God in this? I can't find him. Where, what's God doing? He's got to be here somewhere. Just keep reaching into the cloud. Just keep reaching into the unknown until you get a hold of a miracle. God's people, regardless of dispensation, have always dealt with this. Find in the book of Isaiah... For nine chapters, God has absolutely wore Israel out. I mean, it, it's just that, it's that, that daddy moment where daddy comes in the room and you know you're in trouble. That's what the book of Isaiah looks like for the first couple of chapters. And, and I don't know how y'all do it in California, but when I was a kid, when, when one of us got in trouble, we all got called in the same room. And you better not smile. Mm -mm. Don't do it. Chew your lip. Bite your tongue off, but don't smile. And that, that's hard to do when your brother or sister's supposed to get a whooping. Don't, don't act like you're so saved and sanctified. You ain't never. You know you're an ornery rascal too. But, but that's what God does here. He, he say, tells Judah, he says, you come in here too and you sit down. And he pulls his belt off and he wears Israel out. 
And Judah messed up and smiled. And then he picks Judah up and says, now it's your turn. And, and they're limping to the house of God. Good people that weren't a part of the problem. Brother Isaiah, do you have anything good to say? All you've told us is death and destruction. And Brother Isaiah says, yeah, I got one thing to say. Is it good? It's good. What's it about, Brother Isaiah? It's about the Messiah. Well, tell us about it. It's about the way you know he's going to come. How's he going to get here? How's, how's he coming? Is he coming from a long line of kings? And Isaiah says, all I can tell you is when he gets here that his name shall be called Wonderful. It's going to be a dark and dreary land and things are not going to be good. Things, political unrest, uh, racial tension in the world. But when the Messiah gets here, the way you're going to know that he's here is because his name shall be called Wonderful. Uh, he, he's going to be showing up uh, and he's going to start doing wonders in the middle of a messed up world. Uh, how do you know Jesus uh, is coming? I, I'm telling you how he's coming. Uh, he's coming back. He's coming back again the same way that he came the first time. Uh, it, the closer we get to the return, of our Savior. I'm telling you, you write it down in your little book. The more miracles, signs, and wonders we're going to see in the church because when, when Jesus comes, he always comes with wonder. When Jesus shows up, he always shows up with wonder. I know it doesn't look good right now, but it's time to look up for your redemption draweth nigh. There's miracles being released on the church. comfortable. I'm not helping anybody tonight. It ain't comfortable when you're in the wilderness. But do you know what? In the Hebrew, the word wilderness literally translates as God speaks. See, we, we like the, the newer version of God where he's in the tabernacle. We like the newer version of God when he's in the tabernacle because the glory fell there too. And the tabernacle's got gold. And the tabernacle's got silver. And the tabernacle's full of bronze. We, 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 we want that temple that Solomon built. It's going to be beautiful. We want that dispensation. We want to live for God and all the gold. But I am afraid that while we're living for God and all the gold, Sometimes we'll mess up and we'll miss the glory. And sometimes we'll get so caught up on the gold of pretty church that we forget about the relationship that we got in the wilderness when God was speaking. Let me tell you something. I, I know the glory of God fell at the inauguration of the temple, but you're hard-pressed to tell me how many times that the glory falls in the temple besides at the inauguration. It falls where they can't even stand to minister, but it did that every year in the wilderness. It came in there like a, click, a, a thick cloud, but it did that every year in the wilderness. Are you willing to trade gold for glory? I understand we're not going to live in the wilderness forever, thank God. But there are lessons you learn in the wilderness that will carry you. Can, can you put Hebrews chapter 9 verse 4? I think it's verse 4 there. Verse 4 up there. The writer of Hebrews is talking to us. 
He starts talking about the temple. And then he gets into the Ark of the Covenant. Here it is, golden censer, the Ark of the Covenant overlaid round about with gold. We shout about that. But let's, let, let's read about what's in the Ark of the Covenant. Golden pot of manna. Aaron's rod that budded. The tables of the covenant. I read that a while back ago and Bishop Frost, the Holy Ghost quickened me. And it's like God started dealing with me and letting me know none of that stuff was given to them after they got out of the wilderness. What made up the guts of the Ark of the Covenant was things that they found in a relationship when God had them blindfolded and was leading them from day to day to day. I'll tell you something. If you want to make it in this, this, this walk with God, you want to make it in a relationship with God, you got to figure out how to live for God in the wilderness. Because if you can't do it in the wilderness, you sure won't ever do it when you get to the place where it's gold and glory. If you can't do it in the wilderness, if you can't learn how to focus on the miracle right now while you're in the wilderness, it's frustrating. It's aggravating. I can't see where I'm going, and God's only given me just enough to get me through to tomorrow. God's testing you. Musicians, come on, I'm closing. God's testing you because he wants to know how much Holy Ghost do you really have. Can you live for me when everything's, when, when God's speaking, but he's speaking silently? He's not showing up and shaking the earth like he always does, like he used to do on Sunday night, but it's, it's the middle of the week. Everything just went wrong on your job. God wants to know. God wants to know. He wants to know, are you willing to go with him all the way? God wants to know, are you willing to walk with him when you can't even see him? God wants to know, are you there in the middle of the night? Sister, that's all right. We're, we're preaching here. The Holy Ghost is talking to God's people. I need you to be quiet for just a minute. The Holy Ghost is speaking. God, we need you to help us to understand we're not interested in a relationship with God that is just about Sunday morning and Sunday night and Tuesday night. But I want a relationship with God that carries me through. I want a relationship with God that is bigger and stronger than my wilderness. I remember when I was a young boy, I went to church with my grandmother every Every Monday morning, for the frost, I learned how to pray at Monday morning ladies' prayer meeting as a little boy, staying with my grandmother during the summertime or during the summertime before my dad started evangelizing. And I can remember going to ladies' prayer meeting, and they had. To be honest with you, I didn't feel cool at ladies' prayer meeting. I'm six years old, seven years old, but I I can remember going prayer meeting and, and the ladies would get together with the pastor's wife and they would give prayer requests. There was one lady in particular, that, dear, dear saint of God, God help me, I, I, I can't remember her name. She didn't have a whole lot. She wasn't put together. 
like some of us think we're put together anyway. Drove an old car. Family didn't come to church. While she would come to church every Monday morning, ladies' prayer meeting every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, she was faithful. And from my my little boy perspective, I looked at that lady with pity. And I felt sorry for her because she didn't have a whole lot. But I can remember sitting on the back pew just the section over during prayer meeting while she would, all the ladies would pray. And she didn't have a whole lot of money and she didn't have everything put together, but she would, when she'd get done praying, she'd sing an old song. She'd say, isn't he wonderful? Wonderful, wonderful. Y'all remember that? Isn't Jesus our Lord? Wonderful. Eyes not seen, ears not heard. What's recorded in God's Word? Isn't Jesus our Lord? Wonderful. And my little six-year-old brain couldn't get the revelation of how this woman sitting there in homespun clothes with a car that barely started and her husband didn't come to church and her kids didn't have anything to do with her. How can you sing that song when everything's going wrong and it would be later when I would become a man and I would start walking through things myself that I'm telling you, that lady, that that memory of that sweet dear saint would come to me and brother Brock I finally got the revelation when I was in the darkest hours of my life standing in the wilderness that in spite of my wilderness he is wonderful she had a perspective right it wasn't about the fact that her kids weren't in church and you believe me brother she prayed for them every service it wasn't about the fact that her husband wasn't in church and again you better believe she prayed for them every service but she had a revelation that a little 6, 7 year old boy didn't have that in spite of all of that my relationship is not depicted by what God does for me my relationship is depicted by who he is I'm just going to be in a relationship with God because he's God. Huh? I'm not, listen, I want a blessing just like you want a blessing. And I want miracles just like you want miracles. I want my family to be perfect just like you do. But the truth of the matter is, is life happens. And when life happens, can you get the right perspective that God is still working wonders? Stand with me. I'm closing. got to align ourselves with an understanding. He's God even in the wilderness. And if all I get to do is pick up a piece of manna, let me tell you, miracles are work. I don't have time to preach this, but just let me, just let me touch this briefly and we'll come back and preach part two. <laughs> or part 1.25. Another series. We'll have seven series going by the time this is all over said and done with. The 
Bible says that the manna would fall and the dew would leave and they would go out and, and pick it up. But they didn't just pick it up. The Bible says that they had to pick it up. They had to beat it. And they had to bake it. Sometimes that's how miracles work. God gives you a little portion and says, now you make up the rest. Let relationship happen. And as relationship, and again, I don't have time to preach this, but you can see it. They gathered it. They beat it. They baked it. And then they ate it. And that's how the miracles unfold in our life. That's how relationship with God unfolds. You gather it. Sometimes you get beat up. And then you get thrown into the hot oven. When you come out, the Bible said it tasted like honey. Can I tell you that God has a way of making your trial taste so sweet? If you, did, if you just get in a relationship with God, I'm, I'm telling you, relationship with God will fix a whole lot of stuff that nothing else will fix. Focusing on the miracles that God has done. I don't, I don't know what God's done for me. Brother, you just need to look. Look around you. Look around you. He's done so much. He's done, he's done so much that you could spend the rest of your life and you could never praise him or thank him enough. Just at this point right now, I don't care if you got the Holy Ghost last night. He's done so much. I don't want to focus on the wilderness. I want to focus on what he's done. God, would you help us? Come on, these altars are open. Would you help us, God, to get our perspective right? To remember that sometimes bad things happen to good people. But in all of that, help me to focus on the wonder. Let me focus on, I don't want to focus on the wondering. I want to focus on the wonder. Come on, somebody that's frustrated in your relationship with God, you ought to make your way down to this altar right now. God, realign my eyes, realign my vision. Realign my perspective. God's talking to us tonight. Would you respond? Would you respond? Come on, respond. Would you lift your hands all over this house? God, realign my perspective.